and uh, we are rejoicing today. Hey, great, great to see everyone. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, I want to help you today with the racial turmoil that's going on in America. Uh, John chapter 4, how many believe the Bible has answers? Yeah, there are answers, and that's what we're looking for today. We all know what the problems are, what they appear to be. We're certainly informed of what's going on in our world. And uh, I come with you to, to you today in the spirit of searching for answers for God's Word from the turmoil that's in our land. John chapter 4, Jesus returned to Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria on the way. There was a deliberateness that was there. And let me say this, Jesus, of course, living in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem area, uh, Jews lived there. Samaritans were Jewish half-breeds. They ended up up there. It was north of Jerusalem. They ended there. Uh, after the uh, exile, you know, of course, the exile, when they went to Babylon, when the Babylonians came in, the Assyrians, and carried them out of their homeland, some Jews were left in the land to take care of the vineyards and things like that, and they intermarried with pagan people. So there was a separation between the Jews and the Samaritans, and the typical response was to avoid it, but Jesus went to it. Uh, Jesus could have taken another pathway, but he didn't. He came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, and Jacob's well was there. And Jesus sat wearily beside the well. You get a picture. There's a water well, water out of the ground, you know, a bucket in the ground. Jesus is there by himself. Disciples have gone to McDonald's, try to get a Happy Meal. And uh, he's there alone. He's thirsty, and uh, nobody else is there. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. The woman was surprised. Now listen, Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, well, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. And the gender issue complicated it even more. Why in the world are you asking me for a drink? Now, if we follow the story to its conclusion, we would see that Jesus leads this woman to the saving knowledge of God, and villagers come to Christ as well because Jesus invaded what was otherwise a racially hostile situation. I suggest if we were to change Jew and Samaritan to black and white, it would sound like the racial issues tearing apart our nation today. And uh, this, is, this is what we want to explore today. Prejudice and hatred have always been a part uh, of life on earth. Uh, it's always been something that had been a struggle, but yet Jesus loved people, and Jesus was able to cross the racial barrier. Jesus was able to find a way to get across the hatred and the hostility and to bring the love of God, and it is my hope that we can do this as well. I stand before you certainly as a pastor, but I stand before you today as a human being, a fellow human being, grieved over the police brutality that we've seen, Grieved over the racism, grieved over the hatred, grieved over the violence that has engulfed our nation. But rather than exalting in the negative that we've seen out there, I want to bring you today a message of hope. Because I believe, listen, I am a person that believes the Bible. I believe there are biblical solutions and I have a simple message for you today. We can find reconciliation in America through the cross of Jesus Christ and a Bible-believing church. Let me say it again, in place of the hostility and violence that we see everywhere, we can find reconciliation through the cross of Jesus Christ. My message title is, The Cross is the Great Equalizer, and a church that literally believes the Bible endeavors to act on it. How I many know it's not just a church? 
There were churches in America's sad history a number of decades ago where folks would go to church on Sunday and they'd burn a cross on Sunday night. I mean, oh, that is reprehensible, inexcusable in any fashion. It's a part of our history, but it doesn't have to be a part of our future. And this is the spirit I come to you today in the spirit of a reconciler, in the spirit of Christ. The cross is the great equalizer. Let's begin Galatians chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, turn there. And again, I make the statement, the cross of Jesus Christ. On my left, your right, you see an image depicting a cross that Christ was crucified on. A violent death for someone who did not deserve it. Not one thing did Jesus deserve to be placed on that cross. Yet 2,000 years ago, he willingly went to it. He could have called angels down to rescue him from it, but he didn't. He went there for one purpose and one purpose alone was to provide the opportunity that the sins of humanity could be forgiven and men, men and women could join together in following him and find the freedom we all long for. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27, Paul begins, the apostle, he says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What does he mean? To be baptized into Christ is, speaks of the time of our belief when we were outside and away from God we put our trust in the Lord. We said, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to follow you. And we were born again. And at that very moment, the Holy Spirit immersed or placed us into the body of Christ. Uh, but notice it says, you were baptized into Christ. Put on, you have put on Christ. That is, I, to have put on Christ is I put on his values. I put on his ideals. I put on the standards and the precepts whereby he lived my life. This is how I live as a Christian. Now, here's our key verse. In Christ, there's neither, say this with me, Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You're not one because we are Americans. We are divided as a nation right now. But he's speaking to the Christian. He's speaking across denominational lines, across racial barriers. He's creation, uh, speaking across chasms of pain and heartache and confusion. And he speaks to us about the oneness that we have in Christ. I want to read it from the Message Bible. It has just a wonderful simplicity to it. It says, in Christ's family, there can be no division. I want you to think of every Christian church... In Texarkana, in Christ's family, there can be no division. There's a Korean church that meets, I think, off Richmond Road. There can be no division. There's African-American churches scattered throughout our city. There can be no division. There's churches that are primarily Caucasian people. There can be no division. And hopefully there are churches that endeavor to come together as people of all races, all backgrounds. Why? Because notice the phrases again. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. This is the ethnic distinction. This is the racial distinction. There's neither slave nor free. This is the economic and the social distinction. Uh, I'm privileged to be a part of a church as you are, that someone can drive up in a Mercedes, and someone can drive up on a bicycle, and they sit on the same row beside themselves and worship the same God together. Uh, there's neither male nor female. The, ju the, 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 the gender distinctions are all put away in Christ. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew or non-Jew, slave or free, male or female. Among us, you are all equal 
And listen to this. That's why we all have a common relationship with Jesus Christ. That's powerful. This is what the world is looking for. This is what the hostility is hopefully searching for. Is to be able to find where men and women are able to be together. Not because they have to, not because a law makes them, but because they recognize the image of God in one another. And they recognize, particularly as Christians, that the racial barriers and every other barrier in society falls before the cross of Jesus Christ. Privilege and superiority, because of our ethnic difference, our economic difference, our gender difference, all lose their potency at the cross. The world can make us be together. I was in the seventh grade in Mississippi when school integration happened. The world can force us to ride on a, a bus with someone that's different from us. The world can force us to obey civil laws, some of which are valid and good, but the world can never force us to love someone. You can give me a quota that I have to live by to try to somehow bring harmony, but I'll suggest this to you. Jesus Christ is the only one that can cause uh, people that are different to love each other. Yeah. And they love each other because they recognize the same God created them and the same God created them. The same God saved them and the same God can cause them to be one in the family of God. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. The world puts us in boxes to divide us. And I hope you understand that that's, it's called identity politics. It happens for a deliberate reason. It happens to get you and I to make choices. It happens for you and I to give money. It happens for you and I to join causes uh, uh, to protect our group. Well, I want to suggest to you there's something bigger than just our group. Uh, in the world, the box that I'm placed in when I fill out forms, I'm a white heterosexual male of European descent. I'm over 60 and I cling to guns and religion because I live in flyover country. That's my box. I like who I am. I don't want to be you. God created me to be the way that I am. I love living in the South. <laughs> I wouldn't want to live in California or New York City or, you know, a metro. I wouldn't want to live in I love being here. I love being where I am. I love being the age that I am. Listen, God created me. But when I look in the mirror, I don't see those social distinctions. When I look in the mirror, I see a sinner that's saved by grace. When I look in the mirror, I see someone that used to be lost and was found by Jesus Christ. And when I look in the mirror at you, so to speak, I don't see you and put you in your box. I see you as a human being created in the image of God in need of a Savior, worshiping the same Lord. And this is the basis of our unity. But I want to suggest that there's a unity that extends beyond Christianity. There is an identity that, as I'll share with you from the Scripture... The Bible teaches that we are all related to one another. Now, I'm going to develop this in a moment, but I want you to look at someone a little different from you and say, hey, cuz. Come on now. Loosen up a little bit. Say, hey, cuz. Where are we going for lunch? Listen to Acts 17, verse 26. Let me tell you the difference what I'm telling you today and what you'll hear across television and talk shows and much of the media. All I'm doing is I'm reading Bible verses today. All I'm doing is telling you what God's Word speaks to us about the issues of our day. And uh, I happen to have a major problem because my screen just went blank. So hang on just a minute. 
and say, Jesus, help that guy that's somewhat technology uh, uh, challenged. Pray for me. It's back. It's back. It's back. Okay. Our true identity. Acts 17, 26. God made from one man, Adam. Some translations say one blood. God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Now stop just a minute. Either God created us or we, became, or we came from a monkey under an amoeba. God created us, one blood, Adam. We are all related to one another. Listen to what else it says. God determined the allotted periods and boundaries of our dwelling place. What does that mean? God inserts us into humanity. He inserted me in a hospital on, on uh, um, uh, April 24th, 1957 in Memphis, Tennessee. He inserted me in the human race. He allowed me to have both boundary and definition for my life. My life is not an accident. I am here on purpose. And I am related to each one of you. I am related to every person that drives down the interstate. I am related to every person that you see on the television. Somehow we are family. And here's what I want to tell you. When we hate or hurt someone, we're hurting a family member. I cannot go into the heart of the policeman and put his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck, but they were family. I cannot go into the heart of the, of the protester, of those that are acting in violent ways, of those that are looting. I cannot go into their heart, but I can tell you this, I am related to them. When we hurt someone else, we're hurting family. Now, we understand family in a limited biological sense. When I was in the uh, uh, 12th grade, uh, I was going to one school. My sister was in the 10th grade. She had a boyfriend in the 11th at another grade. And before social media came out, word got to me that that fella had hit my sister in the face. He did. And there happened to be a basketball game that night. And he was on the basketball team. And I was a little bitty dude, and he was a big dude. But it didn't matter that much because he had hurt my sister, and I was standing up for her. And after the ball game was over, I had my eye on him during the game, and we looked at each other as he ran down the court. And when the game was over, I walked on the court near him. He said, you want some of me? I said, I do. <laughs> he said, let's go outside. I said, let's go. And it's the high school basketball game at Magnolia Heights School in Senatobia, Mississippi. And there's a crowd of people gathered around me. And I jumped on him. And we started wrestling around. And I punched him in time or two. And I said, you had enough? And he said, I've had enough. And I said, you're going to apologize to my sister. And she said, number two is in her eyes. And he said, I'm sorry. Now, you do that for your sister. Come on. You, <laughs> you do it for your wife, for your spouse. Why? Why? Their family. And what I'm trying to tell you, the Bible teaches that we're a part of a larger family called the human race. And I'm trying to tell you today there is one that came to steal, kill, and destroy. That is still trying to do everything in his power to destroy the human race. Someone asked me, I was thinking yesterday, somebody asked me what I thought about protesting. And I thought about it a little bit and I thought, you know... Our, our Bill of Rights guarantees us the right to assemble and uh, redress, uh, address, redress uh, our government for issues that we believe are wrong. Our nation was started uh, uh, at a tea party. 
it, was, uh, it was a Boston Tea Party. It was because a group of men and women believed that they were being unfairly represented but being taxed. But let me say this about protests. Anytime, you better be careful who's leading your protest. You better know, listen, friends, I would be a part of a protest if I knew that there were Christian leaders that were involved and if I knew that there were biblical principles that we were in pursuit of. But I, just, I just want to say that out. That's all I want to say about it right now is be careful because there are forces in our nation that are trying to stir our emotions that could bring us in places that we didn't want to go and wouldn't go had we known that's where we were going. Just a word of caution. Tell your neighbors, I'm glad our pastors wouldn't at least tell us the truth as he understands it. Romans chapter 12. How can a Christian act to diffuse violence, hatred, and racism? What can you and I do? How can, there's got to be something more than coming to church with people that are different from us. There's got to be more than applauding three innocent African-American girls. They did great, didn't they? I told Pastor Zach last night, he better be careful. Those girls, I don't know what their contract is, but uh, he, could, he could have a challenge for his job. They did, they did really good. There's got to be something more. And I want to suggest to you that the answer is a simple answer, is that we live by biblical principles. It's not by amening in a church service, but it's by living this out in the world. Let me read a couple verses to you. I'm going to read something from Paul and something from Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 it says, never pay back evil with Never pay back evil with more evil. Now let me ask you this. When somebody hurts you, what's your natural tendency? Hurt them back. If somebody just absolutely steals a deal away from you, what's your, what do you want to do? Steal the next deal from them. I mean, if somebody hurts us, our natural response, but here's what I want to tell you. We're not just natural folks. We have the Holy Spirit living inside us. And we can live and act in ways that are supernatural. Never pay back evil with more evil. Listen, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. So how do I find what the right thing is to do, Pastor? I'm confused. People are pressuring me. There's so much pressure on social media. How do I find the right thing to do? I want to tell you, friends, the Bible says, Scripture says of itself, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my pathway. Second Timothy says that God's word will teach us the difference between right and wrong. Be careful to do what is right. Now look at verse 18. Do all that you can to live in peace with the people you like. Do all that you can to live in peace with people who like you. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. This is a biblical command. It's a biblical scripture just like John 3.16. Do your best to live at peace with everyone. Verse 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Never take revenge. Never allow yourself to be the arbiter of justice. Never allow yourself to be the one who rights the wrong, particularly with the means of violence. I see validity in protest, but when protests become violent, 
And they destroy and they kill and they harm other people. You've crossed a biblical line. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Instead, now this is only in the Bible. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. You say, right with you, pastor, poison the food. Praise God, that's what he deserves. That's not what it says. That's what your carnal nature wants to do. Now, I'm going to speak to you as a mature Christian today. I'm going to speak to you as someone that's not living with your feelings on your skin. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. You say, that's what I want. I want to burn every hair off their head. That is not what it's talking about. It's talking about provide, your kind, act of kindness is providing a door for the Holy Spirit to come into their hearts. Let me tell you what we are as Christians. We're ambassadors for Christ. And sometimes an, an ambassador is called to go in a difficult place. Sometimes an ambassador is called to go in a difficult situation. An ambassador always needs to go with humility, love, and truth. But sometimes we go in places, and the way we go is not with our dukes or not with our gun, but the way we go is with the kindness and the compassion of Christ. Because if we respond in the other spirit, look at verse 21. I want you to say this with me. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. In other words, as I treat people with kindness that don't deserve it, maybe even treat people with respect that don't deserve it. And can I tell you, friend, this is way bigger than just racial. I try to, I know a number of people that are in jail today because they molested a child. I've tried to maintain relationship with them, not just to try to get them to come to church, but because I love them. I looked at the paper today and I was, I've been following this story and it just makes me angry and shocked at the same time. Two men, a father and a son, have been arrested because they, have been, they, they, they systematically molested a little girl in the home for years. And they bribed her with candy and they played little games in their bathing suits and those kind of things. You know, there's a part of me that wants to take that person and just give them what they deserve. And justice, I mean, you know, to forgive someone doesn't mean justice is ignored. But in, they know what they need to deserve. Right now, they're arrested. Right now, my friends that are guilty of child molestation that are in jail, they know what they've done wrong. What they need is they need a little bit of the love of God, not to approve their actions or to say the age of consent should be lowered, but to meet them at the cross. Come on now. The same cross that Christ met me at and love them and help them. Somehow, there must be redemption for all of us across society. No matter what we've done or how evil we've behaved or how bad we've been, still, we cannot let the evil in the world and in their lives overcome us, but we overcome evil by doing good. This is a mature response when we're treated wrong. Why would I choose this pathway? Why would I not choose the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? I'll tell you why. Actions like this open a door of grace for God to change a person's heart. Remember I told you I'm an ambassador? Let me tell you about another ambassador in the scripture. His name is Stephen. 
Stephen was a deacon in the church. He preached the truth of God. He went around doing good for people and they threw him in jail. And then they were going to stone Stephen. And they stoned him simply because they didn't like his Jesus. I want you to imagine if you're as close to, as Linnell do I, and someone takes a rock as big as your hand. If you were to take a rock as big as this water bottle, that's as big as a baseball and that close to her, and just throw it while people are laughing at you. And, 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 and it hits her in the head. And then you take a big rock that it takes, you got to get down on your knees and pick it up and you walk it over to her and you drop it on her chest and it crushes her ribs. This is what was happening to Stephen. And listen to what he said. And I want you to think about what we just read about our enemies and revenge and all these things. Acts 7 verse 59, they're stoning him. Stephen fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. The very next verse says, Saul approved of killing him. You say, who is Saul? Saul was a man that would go on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a man who would one day be the apostle to the Gentile people in the Mediterranean world. In a very real way, you and I are here today because of Paul. We are non-Jews. We are here because of the ministry of a guy named Saul that became Paul when Jesus knocked him off his horse. And I want to suggest to you, when he heard the words of Stephen... They said, Father, forgive him because he didn't know what they was doing. Something happened in his heart that opened a door of grace that showed him there was more than religion, but there was a reality of God in Christ. And it is that same supernatural reality that we need today as we act in love rather than acting in kind and in hatred. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. The root problem that we're facing in America today, whether it's police, uh, police abuse, racism, violence, looting, the root problem is the human heart. If you want to know why people are doing what they're doing, if you want to know why people behave in such a way, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus says the words we speak come from our heart. It is from our heart that come evil thoughts. What else? Murder. It is from the heart, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. Think of what you've seen on television in the last, in the last week or so. Where does this come from? It comes from a human heart that's still captured by sin. And it is why that human heart needs a Savior. It is why the cross is the great equalizer. Because it is in Jesus Christ. Only Jesus has the power to change my heart. They could make me in the seventh grade sit by someone that was a different color of my skin, but only Jesus could make me love that person as a fellow human being. Spiritual problems need spiritual solutions. And what we're seeing today is not just a governmental problem, not just a race problem. It is a spiritual problem in need of a spiritual solution. It is in need of the Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, and you and I as genuine Christian people trying to live by the words of the Bible and not just have it on the... On the, on the car seat of our car. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand today. I'll close with this as, as I end. Jesus said virtually the same thing, and I want to show you a picture that says volumes. Go ahead and show it at first on all three screens. But this is a, a picture, obviously, a, a policeman. There is a protest. There's a protester. And they're not beating each other with sticks. 
but they've embraced each other. What I would suggest is the love of Christ, and they're praying for one another. I have seen photos, I, I should have shown more, a photo of about 20 police officers in Fort Worth kneeling on the ground, protesters on the other side kneeling on the ground, endeavoring to deal with real issues in our society, but dealing with it not just with violence for more violence, dealing with it with the love of Christ Seeking God, seeking to understand one another, seeking to understand hurts, thinking, seeking to understand things that have happened for several hundred years and how it's influenced us. Listen, friends, it is the Spirit of Christ that I read these words to you from, the, from, from Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 6, he said, to you who are willing, listen. And I guess I would say the same thing today. If you're watching on the internet or listening in this room, if you're willing... Listen to what Jesus said. Love your enemies. Well, now who the heck would want to do that? A Christian. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Does it sound like what Paul said? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And that doesn't mean that you as a Christian can't defend yourself. If you're trying to break into my home and you're trying to hurt my wife, I will defend myself and I will defend her. Amen. If you try to break into my business, I will defend my business. As a Christian, we're not a doormat. Amen. But yet, as a Christian, the primary act that we follow is the act and the call to love. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now listen to what happens if you do that. Your reward from heaven will be very great and you'll be truly acting as children of the Most High. And I guess that's a question I'm going to leave you with today. How do you want to act? Do you want to join? Well, can, can we join together and say, let us act as children of the Most High God. Let us be an influence of love in our culture and society. Let us be kind to people that are hurting and angry or whatever the case may be. Jesus said, be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. And I close with this today. It is good news. One day, racial reconciliation will happen. I cannot tell you if it's going to happen in the U.S. of A. The choices of people like you and I will determine that. But there's a real place called heaven we get a picture of, of Revelation chapter 7. Verse 9 says this. John the Revelator said, I saw a vast crowd too great to count. Lots of folks. And they came, say this with me, from every nation, every tribe, and people, and language. That is, they came from the coasts of Africa. They came from America. They came from the shores of Mexico. They came from Australia. They came from China. They came from Japan. They came from Russia. They came from Uzbekistan. They came from Iran. They came from Iraq. They came from Israel. They came across the face of the earth. And they gather before the throne of God. These are followers of Christ. And they're shouting with a great roar. Come on, say it with me. Salvation comes from our God. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Listen, friends, this is where we're heading. And the solution to the problems that plague this nation today, the solutions can be found in the cross of Jesus Christ and in committed Christians that are committed to follow his words and live his way. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy 
of all our praise. Come on, give Jesus a big hand today. He's the hope and source of the solutions of this great nation. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? Before we, let me tell you how we're going to dismiss. I really appreciate you being here. And I thank you, at least for the foreseeable future. I appreciate you that wear masks. I want to ask everyone, sanitize your hands when you come in. Let's do the social distancing thing as best we can. But when we dismiss, all four doors will be open. I would say give people a little bit of space and don't just crowd at the door. And uh, if you want to hang out with a friend, you're welcome to, indoors or outdoors. But, but please let us do our best to help uh, those in the medical profession asking us to take steps to, to keep the coronavirus down. We're going to continue to do that. But as you leave, uh, the, if you want to give an offering, there'll be ushers that'll there. They'll have buckets uh, for your offering. If you have a, a visitor's card, you can drop it in there as well. But before we do that, we're going to have a prayer and a song because I, I, I believe we need to have a God moment because what I'm talking about today is not just something to hoop and holler at or something to make you uncomfortable in church. All we've done for 35 minutes is open the Bible and read Bible verses. That's all we've done. We've taken a problem that began with Jesus a Jew and a Samaritan woman in a culture that said Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus Christ turned that thing around as only he could. He loved that woman. He told her the truth. And as the story unfolded, she turned her heart to follow God. And much of the village did as well. Jesus was an ambassador of the Most High God. And so are we. So I want you to just pause just a minute and just ask the Holy Spirit to help you in this. Disagree with me? Great. Disagree with the Bible? You're going to have to take that up with God. But ask the Holy Spirit just to help you understand His ways. Lord, we pay, take just a moment and pray for America. I pray, Lord, first for those that are truly hurting because of this racial upheaval. I have two good friends they are somewhat close to my age, but they're both African-American men. And both of them were treated high, very unjustly as they grew up. And I listened to their story, and it broke my heart. I don't want to just offer the facts. I want to offer love and bring truth to ears that can hear it. But Holy Spirit, I want to ask you first to heal the wounded heart. I want to pray for you. I want you to bow your head just a moment. And I wonder if you're here today and if your heart is wounded over some prejudice, some racism, something that was done or said to you. Maybe you were denied a job, denied a space on a ball team. Maybe words were spoken evil of you. Maybe people mock you on Facebook. But 
the last 10 days or so have stirred up a lot of stuff inside your heart. And you need God to heal you, to help your heart be clean and pure. And you want the Holy Spirit just to come to you in this moment. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand right now. Say, I've got some hurts I need God to heal. Why don't you just slip your hand? Nobody's looking around, none of their business. If you're watching on the internet, take this moment with God and say, I need some healing. Holy Spirit, we want to ask you to reach out to all our friends that are hurting right now. All our friends, Lord, that have felt the sting of racism. All those that have felt hatred, belittling words. And I want to pray that you would free them from this. I want to pray that they would have the grace to forgive the one that hurt them. And even say words of blessing. If there's someone that's in your mind right now that tormented you in the past, I want you to just say, Lord, I bless them. I bless those that have cursed me. I bless those that have shown hatred to me. I bless them right now in Jesus' name. I bless them today. I want my heart to be clean and pure. And Lord, for all of us today, might we be your ambassadors when we go back out in this world. Help us with this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one last song. They actually do two or three if you want to just linger. But let me say this. If you want prayer, personal prayer, rather than leaving the building, I want to ask you just to be seated after the song. Right where you are and someone will come. I want our prayer team to go ahead and just line up front right now. But if you want personal prayer, there'll be someone here for you. And let me say this to you too. If you're here and say, Pastor, my greatest need is to get right with God. What I need is a real relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you'll say, what I need, I need God's forgiveness. And you want to talk to someone about that, about beginning your journey as a Christian. Or maybe you're here and you've gotten away from Christ. You didn't mean to do it. You don't know how it happened, but you found your way back in church. And something's happened between you and God today, and you want to recommit your life to Christ. I'm going to ask you too, as people are leaving, just stay seated where you are. And one of these men and women on our prayer team, they'll, they'll come to you, and they'd be honored to pray with you. Go ahead and let's sing, Pastor Zach. And let me just say, I love you. And after this song, you're dismissed. Oh, don't forget, let me say this too. Our prayer meeting. We're going to have a way to act on this. This Wednesday, 7 to 8, downtown post office. Uh, it's going to be pastor-led. We'll have white churches, black churches, city officials there. We're coming to pray for peace and unity in our city. That's 7 to 8 on Wednesday night. If you're not able to come, we're still going to have the live stream. We recorded a missionary, Sky Barkley. He's, from, he's in Iraq, and uh, they'll be doing worship in him as well on Wednesday night. But go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor. Shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn me face toward you.
we're going to stay here and worship as long as you'd like to hang out with us. And uh, But for everyone else, we do have all of the exits open. Uh, man, so feel free to hang out. Feel free to dismiss yourself. But uh, we just pray that everybody have a blessed day today.